0: Good morning. Let me set the scene last night at my house as I no, it was actually on Friday. As I went into my closet and there was two suits hanging in there saying I hope he chooses me. Well, with the addition of our Good Friday service this past weekend, both suits were brought out this year. And so they were excited about that. This thing is so hot. I did this for you. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. All right next sermon in our series called one life we've gone through this series for the month of April on Good Friday it was one tree as we talked about the crucifixion and before I begin today I want to bring at least a little bit of a reminder for those that weren't able to be at that that Jesus first of all he decided when he was going to die and he said it is finished and then the bible says he breathed his last and and when he said it is finished that word actually means three different things it means i pay as in a debt it means i complete or i finish as in a military conquest and it means i fulfill as in a judgment so in that mo- moment jesus said that word said it is finished and in that moment accomplished all three things. We had a debt of sin that had to be paid on our behalf. There was a military conquest because you had the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness that was complete in that moment on the death of the cross. And then you also had a personal judgment that was from the Father as scripture tells us that the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. And Jesus completed all three in the moment he breathed his last. The work of the cross is powerful. Yet the difference between Jesus and every other world religious leader is that he's alive. You can do a little bit of digging and find out these other religious leaders, what they did, what made them so special, what type of following did they have? But at the end of the day, you're gonna find when you do that Google search that this is where they're buried. And you can go and visit that place. But there isn't a tomb that you can visit that Jesus is buried in because he is alive and the tomb is empty. Amen. Amen. He has risen. This is our hope. Every funeral I preach for someone that was a believer on Jesus, we have an atmosphere of hope because there is eternal life on the other side of this life. Can I just argue for just a minute or just present to you this idea? If this is all there was, wouldn't that be saddening, maddening, and depressing all at the same time? Listen, and I'm I'm blessed. I got a great family. I got a great job. I get to stand up here and talk to y'all. And you guys look great today, by the way. Thank you for going all out on Easter Sunday. Most of you. (laughs) There is hope because he is alive. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to in my own life. My relationship with God is a real one. It's an active one because I serve a God who lives. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. This message today, however, will be different from any other Easter message I've preached. And of course, every Easter message is different, But most of the time I concentrate on on Jesus and the resurrection and while I'll be doing that, I also think that there's some things that we want to learn today. We've talked about Jesus, the one life that changed everything, but today I wanna pay attention to an inanimate object, the stone. The title of today's message is One Stone. I believe we will see that this stone had attributes, characteristics that was specifically laid out in the narrative of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that I believe that you can relate to as I have already. Luke chapter 24 is going to be the beginning of our text today. If you'll give me somewhere between five and 50 minutes, I'd, I'd like to share with you some thoughts. Beginning in verse one of Luke 24, allow me to pray before we read the scripture. Lord Jesus, have your way. Help me. Help us to hear your voice. Lord, I have notes up here, but I really just want you to speak through me. Because somebody in the house today needs to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, it says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus as they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes, The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? I'd like to pause right there and just share with you a thought. One of the problems of our world today is that so many people are looking among dead things to find life. Verse six, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else. Luke chapter 24, verse one through 12 gives us a, a brief narrative but all of the Gospels have the same account some Gospels highlight other things and some highlight different elements of this story so today I want to look at the stone but before I get into it what has happened is you had the crucifixion you had the death upon the cross that happened at three o'clock in the afternoon which by the way in the Old, uh, in the Old Testament and in the law that temple sacrifices happened at that time at three o'clock in the afternoon. And isn't it interesting how Jesus chose to die at three o'clock in the afternoon? So Jesus died at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus. Typically, in crucifixion, they would just take the bodies and discard it because another Way that crucifixion would insult the death of the person that was put to death is that they would not be buried. They would just be left to rot somewhere. However, Jesus was was able to be taken down off of the cross by a man named Joseph who had a tomb. And in those days, a tomb was a carved out uh, area in a rock or in the side of a hill. And so Jesus was taken to the tomb. The Bible tells us that the stone was put in place. And in Matthew chapter 27, we learn why the stone had to be what it was. The first thing I notice about the stone is it was a sealed stone, a sealed stone. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 62. We read, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, we remember that uh, what that deceiver, they were talking about Jesus, once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So re-request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body. And then telling everyone that he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, Take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. The sealed stone. It jumped out at me because a seal in those days was a very important way to transact business or to make something official. The seal was something that could have been worn in a signet ring is something that could have been held in a stamp. But at the end of the day, the seal represented the person behind the seal or the person who owned the seal. There's actually historical stories of seals being stolen, not the kind you see in SeaWorld, seals being stolen from a, another world leader and being uh, used for disinformation or false letters. So the seal of Pilate was placed upon the stone. So anyone that would go and break the seal was coming against Pilate and that penalty would have been death. Now the Pharisees knew this and the Pharisees were religious. And we see Jesus constantly in his life and ministry coming against the Pharisees because their spirit of religion was one of legalism and one of rules and one of uh, heavy handedness. And so the Pharisees would constantly come against the people. You're not doing enough, God is still unhappy with you. But interestingly enough, there was a merger between religion and secularism. You see, religion went to secularism, went to government, and they basically got in bed together and said, let's work together to squash this thing about Jesus. Can I tell you something? Jesus did not come to establish a religion. It's quite the opposite, really. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. And religion sometimes will come together or come in line with government or world leaders or secularism, and they will come together in such a way that it pushes down the true body of Christ. It wasn't that long ago that churches all over the country were closed. And I want you to be cautious of what you put your faith in. Amen? This book is true cover to cover But political leaders are not Some of y'all might be thinking of one And some of y'all might be thinking of another But I'm telling you all of them I'm standing behind the pulpit And I'm telling you all of them Sometimes y'all know if y'all been here before, and when I come out from behind here, I might be saying something, but I'm standing behind the pulpit and saying only the word of God can be trusted completely and fully, amen? Amen. Come on. Man, the church has just gotta get sometimes a shock to the system about some of this. See, the seal represents the authority, but can I tell you something? The seal of Pilate in concert with religion and the Pharisees didn't stand a chance. It's the power of the resurrection and the life. A seal is a mark. It's something that that maybe even the enemy, you may feel the sealed stone was quote unquote keeping people from seeing the empty tomb. And maybe you're here today and there's a seal or there's a mark or there's something somebody said about you when you were growing up or there's abuse in your history. Whatever it might be, you feel like I am who I am because of what I've experienced and what I've gone through and I'm telling you that no mark, no seal, nothing of this world stands a chance against the resurrection and the life. Amen. Some of you may feel I'm marked. I'm marked by alcoholism. I was born gay, which still I don't believe that. I'm marked by sexual immorality that's been in my family or abuse. But I'm telling you, news flash, everyone in humanity was bent, is bent with sin. It happened in the garden when Adam and Eve made a decision to rebel against God. And since then, we've had a bent towards sin. Listen, scientifically or not, if you got a bent to that and a bent to this, I'm telling you, get unbent and say, I'm not marked in Jesus' name, amen? I'll give you this illustration. If you ever doubt sinful nature, if you ever doubt sinful nature, You need to volunteer in the two and three-year-old nursery here at Greta Life Church. (laughs) Y'all know I'm preaching the truth. Because at the end of the day, all you got to do is be around those little knuckleheads and you know. They're throwing toys. They're biting. they're Now, they're not doing any of that right now. Parents, if you put your kid in there for the first time, they think, oh, my goodness. I got to go get Johnny. He's getting beat up. He's in the corner. Uh, uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But in all seriousness, who taught them? Who taught them to hit their sibling over the head with a Tonka truck? Nobody. They just do it. Why? Because there's a bent, a sinful nature. Amen? One of the things I grew up with my kids and, well, I didn't grow up with my kids. (laughs) They grew up with me, I guess, technically. You go out to dinner And you have that child with that pacifier or that sippy cup, whatever the case may be, let's use a pacifier. And they take that thing and they throw it on the ground. They're sitting in that little high chair, just cute as they can be, goo goo ga ga, just throw that down. And with that first child, you know, you take that pacifier and you run to the restroom and you put that thing under warm water and you wash that thing off and you bring that back. But By the time you get to that third child, You pick that thing up right off of the Golden Corral carpet. (laughs) 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 Listen, y'all only laughing because it's true. But at the end of the day, what is the matter with that child? What is the matter? I have bent over 25 times to get this pacifier and as soon as I give it to you, it's a, right? I learned at a parenting class one day that you're not supposed to give it back to them every time. You're supposed to make them wait, but then they're screaming their heads off in the middle of the Golden Corral. Anyway, I'm off track. <laughs> the point is, we're bent to sin. And I'm telling you, it's high time we stop using that as an excuse to be rebellious and sinful against God. Amen. Yeah. Because the power of the Holy Spirit in you is as great as the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what my Bible says. Yeah. Amen. Let me give you another contrast: the sealed stone, marked. The sealed stone. You have two disciples. One named Judas Iscariot, who was marked of betrayal. He betrayed Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus for thirty pieces of silver, and ultimately he accepted, or he just he just lived with the mark. I'm a betrayer of Jesus. I'm gonna, and he committed suicide. He felt like he had done something that was unforgivable. Peter, on the other hand, betrayed Jesus three times. Judas betrayed Jesus once. You you feel me? Peter betrayed Jesus three times, and the scripture says that when Peter betrayed Jesus the third time, Jesus walked by and looked at him, and he went out and wept bitterly. Point is this, Peter said, I'm not marked. I'm gonna go and get right with Jesus. And Jesus gave him that opportunity and found forgiveness. You may feel that you have gone too far and you have done too much and you have walked away from God and you have never had a good relationship with him. And I'm telling you right now, he is a God who forgives. He is a God who loves. He is God that unmarks you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the two of you that clap and get everybody else going. I appreciate that. <laughs> The second one is the guarded stone, Matthew chapter 28. Continuing on, reading in verse four, we says, uh, the guarded stone. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. The guarded stone, what does that mean to us today? The guarded stone, what I I think God wants us to see is that the guard basically speaks of us making a choice. The sealed stone is something that was done to us. The guarded stone or the guard is something that we have put up. The church has hurt me in the past, so I no longer want to be a part of it. People, people have talked down to me and so I no longer want to open up to new relationships. You know, I've asked God for miracles in my life and he didn't do it the way I wanted him to do it so I'm not going to ask him for anything anymore. The guard that we put up, it could be shame, it could be stubbornness, it could be pride. You've heard me say many times that a little humility goes a long way in your relationship with God, acknowledging that you need him. Sometimes it is we who limit the breakthrough by allowing those, these guards of shame, stubbornness, and pride to remain in place. You may be here today and you have this guard of proof that I won't believe it until God shows me something tangible or I experience something that, that, that I can have no doubt. I'm telling you that it is faith that is a choice that we believe on him by our own faith. There's a story, a parable that Jesus told about a rich man and Lazarus. These are two men that died, and the rich man was on the judgment side of things, Sheol it was called. And Lazarus was on the paradise side of things, and and Jesus is using this as an illustration to say there was a chasm in between. And the rich man looked over at Lazarus, and he said, hey, please. I I didn't realize that this was real. (laughs) Could you please go and ask if they could send you up to tell my family? because they don't believe either. Can you please go tell my family that they better start living right so they don't end up where I am? And the Bible tells us that the rich man was told that if they didn't believe with all the evidence that's already up there now, then they won't even believe if someone comes back from the dead and talks to them. So if you have a guard of proof that says, I won't believe it until I see something I'm telling you right now, you're gonna take that all the way to hell with you. The other one is a guard of pride. I'm a good person. I don't need forgiveness. I'm nice to my neighbors. I show up to work on time. I love my family. I'm a Tar Heel fan. (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. I'm a good person. Let me tell you something. There's nobody nice enough to make it into heaven without the forgiveness that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Mm -mm. At some point, something happened where you made a mistake, no matter if you can't even think of it in the moment, I'm telling you, that guard of pride will also take you all the way to hell. Let me tell you something. What happens when we allow the power of the resurrection to intervene in our life, I'm gonna tell you, In verse six it says, the guards shook with fear and they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. When you give the Holy Spirit reign in your life, when you accept the gift of salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, in that moment all those guards will fear and tremble and be gone in Jesus' name. But it's just on you to drop your guard. Number three, the heavy stone, I love this one the heavy stone. Mark chapter 16, verse three through four says this. On the way they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Who was saying that? Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, which was also the mother of Jesus, Jesus' mother, and another lady named Salome, they were going out to put spices on the body, as was their tradition. And they begin to talk to each other, who's gonna move this stone? You see, they were worried that they couldn't do it on on their own or alone. But here we see a lesson in trusting God to help, even when we don't see it happen yet that God will go ahead of us and that we have to have the faith to believe that no matter what we face, with God's help, it will be removed by the power of the resurrection and the life. Can I tell you something? Mary was talking about who will help us when we get there. Well, now we know that God helped us. The stone was moved by an angel. But can I tell you there are so many Christians out there today just living out there all by themselves telling themselves the lie that says, I can be a believer on Jesus and I can be a good Christian and I don't need to have a church home. Did you know the definition of a Christian without a church home is an orphan? The body of Christ is where the help is. I I, I, I wanna use the, the scripture that says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I wanna remind you that lions hunt the ones that are alone. They don't run into the middle of a pack and try to pick something off and try to get one of the wildebeest or deer or whatever they hunt. I don't know if rabbits have packs of rabbits or anything. But what it, the point is, they don't hunt in the pack, they find the sick, lonely one. I'm telling you. The body of Christ and its design by Jesus is that we walk through life together. I just lost a loved one, Pastor. I need help. We, we move and we go into action. We got your meals covered. We got your service covered. We're going to be here for you. I, I, I'm on the way to the hospital. I know what's going on. The body of Christ rallies together and prays for miracle working power in your life. My relationship, my marriage, my children, I got issues. The body of Christ has solutions and answers. I'm telling you the time is coming that we've gotta get into a place where we walk shoulder to shoulder and arm in arm. One of the greatest things about Greater Life Church is it's people. I've come to understand and to realize that we have a great team. And all I am is just the primary preacher here at Greater Life Church. I get to preach more than everybody else. But other than that, guys, we work together, y'all included. It's the body of Christ that moves in concert together to accomplish the mission and to take ground for the kingdom of God. I'm thankful. The heavy stone, there's help to move it. You were never designed, nor were you equipped to move those types of obstacles on your own. I want to encourage you that God goes ahead of you. Somebody might be sitting. As a matter of fact, someone is sitting in here today and you've got something coming on Monday that you're really concerned about and the Holy Spirit wants you to know God is going ahead of you. Be at peace. Be at peace. I know that's in scripture, but someone in here needs to know that God knows where you are. He does go ahead of you. Mary would have never seen the stone removed if she sat at home and said, well, we can't move it on our own. We might as well just stay home. You with me? Are you with me? You had to take the step of faith and see God's goodness. I've got Wes and some of the musicians coming out. There's a interesting word that I want you to consider as they're singing this song. This is gonna be kind of a time of meditation and reflection and you're just gonna remain seated and just listen to the words of this song, but here's here's what I want you to think about. In verse 12 of Luke 24, it says, they wondered what had happened. They went home again wondering what had happened Consider for a moment the wonder of what happened over 2000 years ago and how you and I now have access to eternal life through Jesus Christ. I also wanna invite you, if you're here today and you want someone to pray with you about two things. Number one, you wanna give your heart to Christ for the first time, you've never done that before. I wanna invite you to do that. The prayer team is going to be available. They're gonna be standing near the aisles and all you have to do is move into the aisle. They'll come and and grab you and ever so gently. I mean, they won't, (laughs) but they have a a gift for you. they like to pray with you. If you'd like to give your heart to Christ today or even if you say, you know what, it's been a while and I haven't been living for God, that call is for you as well. So Lord Jesus, as we go into this music, into this song, may you help our hearts see your goodness as we think of the wonder of what had happened. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh uh-huh. uh-huh. Think for a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment.
1: Thank you, Jesus. It
0: gets me every time. The part of the song that says he would do it again and again for us. He suffered so much. And our hearts ache at the suffering. But Can I tell you his heart aches when we don't respond. So would you stand please, for just a moment. And I want to invite you, if you'd like to respond to this message, just move into the aisles. Don't wait, I won't wait long. The prayer team would be happy to pray with you. see our hearts, every one of them. I pray. I pray that we would take seriously the assignment that you have given us to share the good news of the gospel that you died on a cross and you rose again. So God, that your wish that your house would be full your desire that all would be saved, Lord, that we would have a part in bringing that about, reaching one more each day by leading the following of the, by leading the Holy Spirit by following the Holy Spirit, Lord. And now, God, on this Easter Sunday, as we've celebrated your resurrection and your life, may we be reminded that there's nothing. There's nothing so powerful. There's nothing that we face. There's nothing that comes against us. No stone too heavy, too sealed or too guarded that you cannot overcome in our lives. Help us, God. Sometimes we have to get out of our own way. Help us, Lord, to invite you in to help us walk this out.